Oh my goodness, what an exciting day. It's great to be together. And if this is the beginning of the year, and it's just going to get better and better all year, it's going to be a great year, isn't it? Amen? Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's have some more noise. Than that. Amen. Yes. Yes. I'm getting ready for preaching in Africa in a couple of months, you see. So, Well... Now, New Year is one of those times, isn't it, when we kind of do kind of resolutions. Think about New Year's resolutions. I mean, perhaps you've already made some. Has anybody made any New Year's resolutions? Nobody. Okay, this is a completely inappropriate talk then. Um, (laughs) But I was reading recently that some of the top ten resolutions... Uh, are, are usually the same ones. So perhaps you can identify with some of these. First of all, to exercise more, to eat less, drink less, and to give up smoking. So those are the most common in the top ten of the uh, New Year's resolutions. Although there's a new one that's come in uh, just in the last couple of years. I wonder if you can guess what it is. It's to do with Facebook. Yes, it's to do with doing, spending less time on Facebook and uh, Twitter, which is probably a good idea because I read some statistics that around the world we are spending 700 billion minutes on Facebook, which is about 23 billion minutes a day. I didn't even know that many minutes existed. Uh, so it's probably a good thing to have that as a New Year's resolution and cut down a bit on the revenues of Facebook by using it less. But I think there is something good about finishing a year and starting a new year because actually it makes you stop and think, doesn't it? We kind of reflect on our lives. We all do this. And whether we make New Year's resolutions or not, we tend to just kind of think about last year and look forward to the year to come and wonder uh, what's coming. And we perhaps make some uh, adjustments because of that or New Year's resolutions. The problem in my experience with New Year's resolutions, and that's maybe why nobody here apparently has made any, is because they are prone to failure. And you've only got to look around the world today and see that people are still not exercising enough, they're still eating too much, drinking too much, to know that that's probably true. So I want to suggest something different for you at the beginning of this new year. I want to talk about not making New Year's resolutions, but making some New Year's declarations, which very helpfully Melina illustrated in her testimony earlier on. So some New Year's declarations. And I started using some declarations a few years ago, and I've just got to testify myself and say that they've made a real difference uh, to my life. So I'm excited to share this with you. And it's all really about the power of the tongue. It's about the power of words that we say to set the course of our lives. Not just today, but tomorrow for uh, this year and for the rest of our lives. There's incredible t- power in the words that we say to set the course and direction of our lives. And so I want to just read to you James chapter 3, first of all, which is about the tongue. I want to explain the passage to you, and then I want to apply it with some declarations for you to take home and use if you want to. Okay, so can you just turn to James chapter 3? And whilst you're finding that, let me just pray. Lord, I ask you for revelation from your word today. I just pray, Lord, for real clarification Lord, would you unlock something from your word, 
for us today that would make us conscious of what we say and how we use our tongues. And I pray, Lord, that great uh, potential would be unlocked amongst us as we receive from you this understanding about our tongues in Jesus' name. Amen. So James chapter 3, I'm just going to read verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should be uh, presumed to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example, although they are large and are driven by strong winds, when they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue. It's a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water fly from the same spring? My brothers, can a a fig tree bear uh, olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Our words are very powerful. They set the tone and direction of our lives. That's what James is saying there. And by them we build up or we pull down, we set free or we bind up. And as James is saying here, that those that talk the most, and he uses Bible teachers as an example, he says those are the ones that are at greatest risk of really messing things up and creating problems for themselves and for others. And so this passage is often used to warn us against careless use of words and its consequences. But I want to take a slightly different tack on this today because I'm not so sure that this is James's only message, this warning. And I want to bring out three things for you today. Firstly, I want to bring out this, the power of the tongue. So in verse 2, it says there, we all stumble in many ways. You know, we all mess up. Uh, There isn't any one of us who is perfect in everything that we say. We all put our foot in it. We all say the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's not just me, okay? Everybody here has a problem with the tongue, saying the right thing. Or when you hit your thumb with a hammer, you sometimes will say the wrong thing. These things come out of our mouths. We all stumble in many ways. And anyone who's never at fault in what they say, James says, they're perfect, So that's a kind of perfection that we would aspire to, but actually it's a perfection that's beyond most of us. 
But James goes on to say that if we are able to somehow guide or control the tongue, we're able to keep our whole bodies in check. And I think that here James is giving us a key to keeping our lives on track. We all stumble in many ways, but if we can rein our tongues in and use them properly, they can be incredible power for good. It's like he's saying, uh, it, we see this with the horse. It's a large animal. It's the biggest and most powerful machine, if you like, of James's day. He couldn't think of a more powerful animal to use. He says it's a big animal, but although it's so strong, it's far stronger than any of us, it can be easily directed just by a small piece of metal in its mouth. It's called a bit. It's amazing, isn't it, how an animal will just respond to this little tug in the mouth and will change direction. Or he goes on, he says, well, take the sailing ship. He says it's being driven by the wind through stormy seas. You might have seen some of the pictures this week uh, of the coastal areas of Britain and the ships being tossed around. He says these stormy seas and the, the wind is so powerful, it's so strong and some of these ships carry such heavy cargoes but even they can be manipulated, can be turned, directed by a very small piece of uh, wood as it was for James that's shaped very much like the tongue. This is, he says, just like the tongue. In verse 5 he says, the tongue is that really small piece of metal. It's that tiny bit of flesh that sits in your mouth and it's capable of great boasts. By it we can make these great claims, we can speak such big words. But the question is, does the rest of our body follow? You know, with the rudder, with the bit, we can direct But the problem with many of us is that we say these big things, but the rest of the body doesn't follow. You see, what is said with the mouth is capable of setting the direction of the whole body. What is said with the mouth is capable of setting the whole direction of our lives. That's what James is saying here. Where your body goes is talking about how we live our lives. I just think about it for a minute. How do you use your tongue? What words do you speak that even now sets the tone and direction of your life? What do you say to yourself? What do you say about yourself? How do you talk to yourself? Could you say those words in public? What would people think if you were open about what you really thought about yourself? I have permission to share this little story with you from somebody in the church who's been struggling for a whole lot of time with feelings of depression and difficulty and and I met up and I said you know really what concerns me most is this kind of destructiveness a kind of destructive self-hatred almost and I, I talked it through I came at it from a dozen different angles and I just somehow 
Do you know when you have a conversation you can't quite get through, they don't quite get what you're saying, they don't quite see it, the habit was so ingrained, they've been talking about themselves like this for so long, they just couldn't see it. And I was sitting there thinking, oh Lord, help. I don't know how to convince this person of the bondage that they are in because of the way they see themselves. And suddenly I had this flash of inspiration. And I said, look, think about it this way. What about if I had a mirror right now and I held up this mirror to you? Look in the mirror and say to yourself what you think of yourself. And and this chap did it, it very graciously, picked up this mirror in the middle of a restaurant, looked in the mirror, and then went bright red. And he didn't say anything. And I said, what did you say to yourself? He says, I couldn't say it in public. Such was the venom and the hatred that he felt towards himself in that moment. What do you say to yourself? James says that the tongue can be like the smallest spark that sets a forest on fire. It's got the power to corrupt the whole person, he says, even to set the whole course of our lives into a destructive firestorm that even leads into hell itself. It really says that in verse 6. And, and Do you know, that just sounds a bit extreme, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound extreme? Is he being hyperbolic? It certainly sounds extreme, but if you think about how we use our tongues, it affects even our salvation. Now, Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With my mouth. Wow, that's powerful. Even my salvation is affected by the words that I say. And when the heart and the mouth combine in agreement, there's incredible power unlocked, even leading to salvation. Or not. Of our souls. (coughs) There used to be a motto, didn't they, used towards... Uh, used during the Second World War. I don't remember it, I wasn't there, but I've heard about it. There's this motto used that says that careless talk costs lives. Well, literally, spiritually, it does. Sobering, isn't it? Isn't that sobering? Now, of course, James is talking here about the extremes of poor self-talk. The extremes of it. And if you notice, he takes us up three levels. He talks, first of all, about a spark that ignites a forest. That's the first level. He talks about uh, if, it un- if it's left unchecked, something that then corrupts the, whole- the person, which if not then dealt with can even lead to the shipwrecking of our faith. Three levels. I don't think many of us get to stage three, but I think some of us veer towards stage two quite often. You know, it's quite easy, actually, when things start to go wrong in our lives. We can become corrupted by life. 
we start to say those things that shouldn't be said because things are just not going right. We're struggling. We start to speak these things out and we get corrupted. Quite a few years ago, um, and I'm just, I don't want to just say that this is over and done with, all right, but quite a few years ago, this was a really big issue for me. <laughs> There's still some work to be done, but I was struggling hugely with uh, the issue of failure. And I'd even say that I was developing a, a failure complex, and my whole life around me confirmed it completely. You know, everything was going wrong. Have you ever had those times? Well, not just a time, my whole life was just going wrong. Everything I touched, every relationship I was in, everything I did, it just seemed to go wrong. And uh, at my lowest point, I'd say, I was about to lose my job because I'd failed an exam, which was a condition of my employment. And I remember that day so clearly, walking down Ludgate Hill in Birmingham. You know, Ludgate Hill is known as Hangman's Hill. Because that's where they used to hang people. There used to be a gibbet there. And that's where the last execution in Britain took place. I was walking down Hangman's Hill, feeling, yeah, like I'm on death row here. Walking down towards my office, uh, this bearer of bad news. Uh, I'd failed again. I just felt awful. I felt complete despair. I was just on the verge of giving up completely. Really, I was. And I came to the bottom of the hill and to a literal crossroads that is there. And I was about to cross over where I suddenly felt God speak to me. And it stopped me in my tracks. Because he said, you've got a choice right now. (laughs) You could go left. You could go right. Straight on to the office. (laughs) I know which one I wanted to do. Not straight on to the office. But he said, this is your choice. You can even either believe that you're a failure and everything will go wrong for the rest of your life. Or you can choose to believe what the Bible says. And two verses came to my mind. Firstly, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And secondly, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got a choice. I can either choose to believe that God is going to work all these things together for my good or everything is going to end in complete disaster and failure and that's it. That's the rest of my life. And do you know, I was surprised at how difficult it was to make that choice. Isn't it obvious? I am a failure. <laughs> all the evidence shows. I just cannot pass this exam. I deserve to lose my job. And yet I had this choice to make. And do you know, I believe that there are some people here today who have that kind of choice to make. That you're at a crossroads in your life. It may not be about failure for you, it might be about something else, but you've got a negative mindset. You always believe the worst and the darkest. You don't know why you do, but you do. And you gravitate towards despair and disillusionment. I just want to say something to you that God really taught me during that dark time. And that is that God is never negative. 
It's, this isn't just a, this isn't some kind of fancy talk on positive thinking. This is about who God is. God is never negative. He never thinks a negative thought. He never says a negative thing. He doesn't think negatively about you, about your life, about your situation. God is not negative. He is the most positive being in the universe. So when we align ourselves to negative, dark thinking, it's not God. Just wanted to say that, throw that in there. You know, in that moment, I knew what I deserved, what the evidence of my life showed, but I, then I found, as I started to veer towards, I'm going to believe God and trust him, I found faith started to rise in my heart, kind of bubbling, <laughs> a kind of joy, a kind of, I shouldn't be feeling like this, but actually, I don't mind what happens, I'm going to trust God. I decided not just about my life, not just about this job, I'm going to trust him for the rest of my life. And the great news is that I didn't lose my job. (laughs) But the even better news is that this decision and the declarations I made, the decisions I made at that time, I'm sure changed the course of my life. I decided I'm going to trust God. But you know, if you're going to make the most of the power of the tongue, it needs to be tamed. So that's the second point, taming the tongue. Which is where I think James takes us He points out in verses 7 to 8 that all kinds of wild animals have been tamed by man with a great deal more success than the wild animal that lives in our very mouths, the tongue. You see, the tongue is like an angry and poisonous snake and it needs to be tamed if it's it's not going to harm you or harm those around you. That's the second part of verse 8. James is taking us back, really, to verses 2 and 3, where he talks about keeping the body in check. That literally means bridled. It literally means putting the bit in the mouth of a horse to keep it on course. There's something that needs to be done to guard our mouths. But it seems impossible. It seems impossible. And the reason for this lies not actually with the tongue, but it lies with the place from where those words come. It lies in the heart. That's where the problem is. Jesus, quoting Proverbs, says that it's out of the fullness of the heart, that is, what the heart is full of, that the mouth speaks. Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, have you ever noticed how you don't, uh, you don't know what you really think about something until you've said it? Have you ever experienced that, where you think you know what you think, but then you get into this conversation, you realize, no, I don't think that at all. And even halfway through the conversation, you might completely change what you really think about something. And that's because something about the operation between the heart and the mouth means that it comes out and it becomes clear. And that can be a good thing. But then there's the one that's not so good. Have you ever been surprised by your reactions to something. You've really lost it over absolutely nothing. The reaction says more about you sometimes than your actions. 
And that's because what's in the heart has been kept down. But suddenly it comes out and you say, I don't feel so good about that after all. Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's because of the heart that it's very hard to tame the tongue. So we have to change the heart in order to tame the tongue. Because taming of the tongue is done by changing the heart. See, one of the worst things about the tongue is how it can lead us to hypocrisy. This is what the great boasting is about. Great words, but not a great life. Say great things, make great promises, but no follow through. With the mouth, James says, verses 8 to 12, he says, we praise God and we curse others. Out of the same mouth comes cursing and blessing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. How can fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? One kind of water nourishes and sustains life. The other brings death. What effect do your words have on you and on others? Is it fresh water that brings life? Salt water that brings death. For how can olive trees produce figs? Or fig trees produce olives? Are you inconsistent? Does your heart and your mouth line up? Do you say what you mean? Or are you mean in what you say? The way to tame the tongue is to change the heart. And the way to change the heart is to allow the Holy Spirit to search it and lead us into truth. And I believe that God wants to do that for many of us today. You know, it may be that you've got yourself stuck in a rut of negative thinking. You've been cursing yourself. Maybe you've been cursing others as well. Unforgiveness can do that. That's a heart issue again. I believe that God wants to release some people from that bondage to self-destruction, really, today. Because really what I'm talking about today, and I'm going to be talking about over the next few months, is really the practical outworking of the identity series that we've just finished. Because who we are now has got to affect how we live. There's a practical application to this thinking. The truth must change our hearts and the words that we say about ourselves and others. And so today, I want to ask you to do two things, two take-homes in response to this talk. Okay, you ready? Number one, I want you to spend some time listening to your self-talk. Listening to your self-talk. Listen to what you say over the next few days, over the next few weeks, consciously pay attention to how you think and speak about yourself and others. And ask God to show you as well. Ask him to show you and to change you. Because, you know, we all mess up in this. That's how we started, wasn't it? We all, none of us are perfect in this. 
But heart change comes through repentance. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to be involved because actually we can't do this ourselves. So when you say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be listening to myself a lot in the next few weeks and months, but I really need you to be listening at a deeper level. Will you search my heart and reveal what's there and set me free? Because I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that inconsistent person. I want you to make me pure. And secondly, I'd like you to think about making some New Year's declarations. You know, we need to actively train our mouths to speak differently by filling them with truth. We need to, by faith, set the direction of our lives by these things instead of the negative stuff that we're so often bogged down in. Amen? We need to actually take an active step where I'm going to retrain my mind and retrain my mouth to speak and think differently. So what kind of things? Well, I mentioned two examples earlier that I used a few years ago that was I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just declare that. If you're struggling at work at the moment, if you're struggling with life, (laughs) just say, I can do all things. I'm going to rely on you, Lord. I'm going to rely on your strength. I'm just going to declare that over my life. Some of you are going back to work for the first time on Monday. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or God works all things together for good. Now, I can't always see that, Lord. I can't always see how that happens. But I'm going to choose right now. It's the choice. I'm going to choose right now to believe what the Bible says and not my circumstances or my past. I'm going to believe that God is going to work all things together for my good. It's only what the Bible says. Okay. But there are, there are many more. You might even want to write your own. You could write some around the identity series that we've just done about being in Christ. Now, um, Bernice is just about to do an online course for people. She wants to kind of speak to Bernice about it, but it'd be another way of perhaps uh, keying into that series again and just trying to learn some of the truths. Certainly something I've done is to, to try and apply that teaching by declaring it, saying, I am in Christ, what that means, what it means to be in Christ from the teaching. I'm a new creation. I'm going to declare that over my life. But I want to share some with you that I've been using. I've adapted them actually from a guy called Greg Dicko um, of changinglives.org. I don't know who he is, but he wrote some good stuff. So I want to just take you through them quite quickly And then as we go through them, wouldn't it be really cool if we could just say them together? Yeah, I think that would be really cool, Rob. That would be great. (laughs) And I've done this kind of thing with people before, and they've found, even as they said these words, that faith starts to rise. So if you're in a logjam today, I want to encourage you to say this. So should we stand up? Because, you know, when you declare, somehow we need to stand. And we're standing before God, all right? So I'm just going to pray for you, and then we're going to make these declarations. I'll read them first, a little bit of explanation, and then you can say it with all your heart, all right? Now, if anybody says it quietly, I'm going to be scowling. Um, Only in a very loving way, okay? So, uh, no, don't show, don't show. Surprise, let it be a surprise. I'm going to pray for you first. Holy Spirit... Would you just come and rest on everybody here right now? Lord, I pray 
that the spirit of liberty would just come upon everybody in this room. In the name of Jesus, liberty across this room. I pray for freedom to come right now. All bondage, go in Jesus' name. I pray for a spirit of liberty. Just come, Holy Spirit, just increase your presence here right now, Lord. We're going to make these declarations in faith, choosing to believe the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first one. My prayers are powerful and effective. Now, I don't know how often you pray absolutely confident that your prayers are being heard. And that actually your prayers are so powerful they can change the course of history. Alright? My prayers are powerful and effective. Look up the verses and you'll see that's what the Bible says. Our prayers are powerful and effective. So shall we say that together? My prayers are powerful and effective. Secondly, God richly supplies all my needs. All my needs. That's, that's physical needs, that's spiritual needs, that's emotional needs. All my needs. Financial needs, we heard about some of those today. According to his riches in glory. That's the scale of it. Now think how rich God is. <laughs> According to the riches of God, of, can't even get my words out now. According to God's riches in glory, he will provide according to our needs. So let's just say that. God richly supplies all my needs. Just say that again. God richly supplies all my needs. Thirdly, I am dead to sin and alive to obeying God. I'm dead to sin. Let's just say that. I am dead to sin and alive to obeying God. Do you know the enemy has been lying to some people and saying, you are in a sin trap and you can't get out. You are destined to be that way for the rest of your life. I want to say to you, whoever you are, that's not true. Because the Bible says, I am dead to sin and alive to obeying God. So say that again. I am dead to sin and alive to obeying God. Fourthly, as a child of God, I live under his supernatural protection. And he was so convinced about that, that the guy who said that wrote a whole psalm about it. Do you know that you are under his protection, that you cannot die until he says so? (laughs) Do you know that for the rest of your life, you are under his supernatural protection? You cannot die until he says that. So let's say that together. As a child of God, I live under his supernatural protection. Fifthly, God is on my side today and I cannot be defeated. In fact, Romans 8.37 says that I am more than a conqueror. Do you know what more than a conqueror means? It means I don't actually have to fight because he's already done the fighting for me. If God is on your side, just think about how big and powerful God is. If God is for us, who can be against us? So let's declare that together. God is on my side today, and so I cannot be defeated. That's a difficult one, isn't it? Did you find it hard to say that? I cannot be defeated. Better just say it again to make sure... God is on my side today, and so I cannot be defeated. Sixthly, I declare today that I cannot be discouraged, depressed, or disappointed. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. I want you to say this in faith because I know many people struggle with these areas of discouragement or depression. Sometimes that's a, that's not just a, a, um, a thinking issue. There's a medical issue there. I cannot be discouraged, depressed or disappointed because God is faithful. God is faithful. He will work things out together for my good. So let's declare that together. I declare today that I cannot be discouraged, depressed, and disappointed. And I just want to testify that I've said this several times when I felt completely the opposite. And I prayed it through with people who felt completely opposite. Because, you see, joy is not to do with happenings. That's happiness. God's joy can enter our situation, whatever is going on. Seventh, through Jesus, I am a 100% loved and worthy to receive all of God's blessings. Galatians 3, 1 to 5 teaches us that it's not through works. It's not through our effort. God loves us just the same and we deserve his blessing. How about that? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's say that together. Through Jesus, I'm 100% loved and worthy to receive all of God's blessings. Eight, each of my family members is loved by God and will grow to know him and radically love him. Let's declare over our families. I'm so encouraged by Des's story but we need that to be reproduced all across this room. We need God to break into our families. We need to see them saved. We need to see them come to Jesus. Amen? So let's declare this in faith over our families. Ready? Each of my family members is loved by God and will grow to know him and radically love him. Number nine, I am anointed by the Holy Spirit and I consistently bring God encounters to other people. (laughs) It says that Jesus, he says wherever he went, people were touched by God, people were healed, demons cried out. And we are anointed by him. We have an anointing. I'm going to preach on that a bit later on in the year. We are anointed. We are under Christ. We are in Christ. That means that we are anointed by the Holy Spirit and we can bring the presence of God wherever we go. Let's just say that then. I am anointed by the Holy Spirit and consistently bring God encounters to other people. Number 10. How do you fancy a laugh? How about laughing at a lie? It says that the Lord laughs. I laugh when I hear a lie from the devil. That isn't often our response. When we have, have a, hear a lie, we become fearful, we shake, we wonder if it's true. No, let's be clear. I laugh when I hear a lie from the devil. Let's just speak that over our lives right now. I laugh when I hear a lie from the devil. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you now. Why don't you just put your hand... Sorry if you're visiting. I don't mean to feel uncomfortable, but just put your hand on the person next to you. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. I just want to pray a blessing over you. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now a blessing 
on everybody here. I just pray that you would release incredible favour. Lord, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon every member here today. I just pray, Lord, that they would know your provision, that we would know your favour, that we'd know, Lord, movement in our needs, that we'd know your protection, Lord, that we would know breakthrough in discouragement and despair. Lord, that we'd know your blessings, we'd know movement in our families. We'd know how to laugh when the enemy comes to get us because we're secure in Christ. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, would you put these words in our mouths? Would you also put them in our hearts? And help us, Lord, to declare the truth which sets men free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.